and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and we have a great show for you this evening. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I had Katie Cook on, and she said her favorite guest was Mike Clellan. Well, he's on our show tonight, and he's written a few books since he's been on last, and he's has another one in the works. We're going to be talking about that, but more importantly, we're going to be talking about his first book, um, which I had him on uh, way back, I think, in 2016, I'm going to say, talking about it. And it's a weird connection between owls and um, entities or in UFOs, encounters, and things like that. It's And it's a very strange thing, but it seems like it happens quite a bit. And it actually happened to... Uh, a person that I spoke to out in, uh, I think it was, yes, it was Phoenix. And just casually, oh, she said, oh, yeah, I had a UFO experience. I'll talk a little bit about that. I've mentioned it a few times on the show. But it's a really, it's a fascinating uh, occurrence, which so many of these are. And uh, our blog this week is by Charles Lear. And it's a really, it's a great one. And it's one on Betty and Barney Hill. It's called the Betty and Barney Hill UFO abduction story from its primary sources. And Charles loves to do a lot of deep research. So he worked really hard on this blog. Check it out over at podcastufo.com. Anyone can support the show. And that's information's over. It's on Patreon. And that information's over on our website as well. So without further ado, I'm bringing in our guest. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Nice to be here. I think it was like 2016, wasn't it? That's about right. Yeah, that would have been about yeah. right. Maybe. I can't remember. No. I was I was in um, New York at the time. Now I'm in Seattle. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. How are you liking it out there? It's nice. It's, I actually, you know what? I miss winter. They, winters are very mild here. I, I love a big, like, snowy winter. So, Really? Well, Yeah. I uh, I'm, I haven't said anything, but I'm in South Carolina. I've been in South Carolina since January, and I'm loving missing winter myself. Oh, I I'm, I love. I mean, I ski and stuff like that, so I miss it. But uh, oh, but I the see. Big trees yeah. and the outdoors and the it's really nice here. Yeah, it is. My sister lives there, and I really uh, I like visiting out there. It's very nice. Um, so I would like to, um, yeah. I mean, I'm playing with my camera here. This whole thing was falling apart until like a few seconds before we went live. So luckily I'm, I'm here. Uh, I was going to be off camera and luckily got it going. But anyway, let's talk about how you got interested in the subject. And then I want to go right into the messengers, how you got fascinated in that aspect of, of, of uh, this whole uh, phenomenon. So I had I had a story. It takes a few minutes to tell. I can tell you the whole thing, but there was a story that took. I bet you I t told it back in 2016. I'm happy to tell it again. But sure. I had an event. Yeah, I had an event in 2006, and I was at the time I was um, 44, and I'm 60 now. So that was 16 years ago, and I, um, I was living in a small town in rural. Idaho, right next to Grand Teton National Park. And I had been working at an outdoor school and I'd been teaching mountaineering and camping. But I, there was a, there was a branch of the school town I lived in. And I talked to this young man. I didn't know. Got in a conversation at the school. That's a real social scene at the school. And I said, oh, you know, she had been there all summer and I had been, I had just gotten back. It was autumn. I'd been working all summer out of state. And and she, the Grand Teton National Park was right out the back door. It was just a glorious spot. And I said, hey, um, I bet you've been camping a lot all summer long. And she's like, no, I haven't camped once. And I'm like, that's terrible. I'll take you camping one night. So it's a complete stranger I said this to. So we went out for one night in, I think it was early October. And with this complete stranger, there was a point in the conversation and this plays into something which is the subtlety of this aspect. So we're we're talking, the sun is setting, we're having a conversation, and I recognize that she's talking about something with depth and with power. And I was like, wow, this woman, I'm really impressed with this woman. And at that moment, an owl flew over us, and the second owl, and then a third owl. And for the next, I'm going to say two hours, 
these owls flew around us as the sun set and as it turned to total darkness. And then when we camped, we didn't bring a tent. It was a beautiful night. We just slept out under the stars. Hmm. This woman's name is Kristen. And and uh, as we were laying down, these owls would swoop right above our faces. It was so magical. And we the next morning, we were like, wow, that was so cool, those owls. And then we walked back the next morning. So we just went for one night. We left in the afternoon. And like we're back by lunchtime the next morning. And... Um, and I said, hey, let's, if you ever want to go camping, let's do it one more time. I'm happy to do this anytime you want. So four days later, we went camping again. And the same thing happened. As mm. the sun was setting, we were in a totally different part of the mountains. Three owls flew around us, landed at our feet. Before, they were kind of off in the distance. This time, they were right up close to us. And I could remember the look of astonishment on her face she was standing right with me and this owl was standing at our feet and the and i'm going to say these are real owls there's an aspect called a screen memory these were real owls we had close-up views of them they had they were owls they were about you know 10 11 inches tall they were beautiful and and so when i was seeing these owls both nights i had this kind of voice in my head this very clear voice in my head that said this has something to do with the ufos and and afterwards i started I, first i started researching owls and the mythology of owls and the folklore of owls and kind of the spirit meaning of owls and then after that i i started looking into my own ufo experiences which i had some things that had happened to me in my youth and then one powerful event that happened when i was 30 but so that happened in 2016. Three years later, in 2009, I started a blog where it was, I was just going to catalog synchronicities because I've had a lot of these odd synchronicities and they make great blog posts. They got a little begin, they got a little punchline. They're, they're short. You can write them up quick. And, and the story I just told about seeing the owls, I put on the, on the blog. Didn't mention the UFO part. And then I contacted. Kristen, that was a woman's name, Kristen. I contacted Kristen. She had moved out of the valley. We had been in touch. And I sent her a note and I said, hey, what? Actually, I talked to her on the phone. I said, what was happening the very first night when we saw the very first set of owls? And she said, oh, I remember exactly what happened. I was giving my most heartfelt definition of what God means to me. Now, uh, let me say that, like, I'm not necessarily churchy and and that didn't, like, that didn't touch me deeply, but I did recognize the sort of symbolic and metaphoric power of that conversation happening at that moment. So after all of that, I started to look into my UFO experiences, right? So, so I see real owl. I have a voice in my head that says, this has something to do with UFOs. So I started reaching out to people. I reached out to Bud Hopkins. And I reached out to Leo Sprinkle. He was still alive. He lived in Laramie, Wyoming, which was actually somewhat close to where I was, and met with these folks and a few other people. And little by little, started to unravel like the experiences in my life that would imply, I'm really cautious to use the term abduction, but that's the only term we have. I would argue that it's, it's not easy to define. And then... Um, in the in the following years, I I started writing about it, and one of the things I would ask people because of the initial event, I would ask people who had these. You know, I met with Bud, I met with Leo Sprinkle, and I would ask them like, "Do you have like accounts of owls in your cells and roll their all Owls show up all the time in these stories, and I started asking around. So they they anyone I started going to conferences and. I put it on my blog. Like if anyone has an owl story, I want to hear it. And what happened was, which I did not expect, I was flooded. At first it was sort of a trickle and then it turned into just a deluge and it hasn't stopped. So for well over a decade, I have been getting powerful owl stories. Oftentimes owl and UFOs together. Sometimes it's an owl and let's say a synchronistic event or a mystical event or a spiritual event. But I've been collecting owl stories and have been for a decade. I'm getting 
pretty darn close to one good story a day for a decade. And you do the math and that's, that's like, I'm, I can't, I can't keep up with it. It's like walking uphill and saying, so what it, what it tells me is that there is some connection. I don't know. So I can't answer what the connection is, but I can say that the stories have a, oftentimes have a real power to them. So, and you had a story we've told before. I would love to hear it again. Cause I thought about that when you, when you reached out to me for this, this interview. Yeah. So uh, uh, one other thing is uh, Melanie uh, Kirchdorfer. She was on as a guest. She was in the Berkshire UFOs. Uh, if you happen to see Unsolved Mysteries with Berkshire mm-hmm. UFOs, she has an owl story. The, you know, I mean, is that, is that Berkshire's? Is that um, uh, in Connecticut? No, that's in. No, the Berkshire's, Massachusetts. The Berkshire's okay. UFO incident. There was uh, Tom Water, Tom. Uh, um, Tom Reed? Tom, jeez. Tom Reed. It used to be called, no one knew it as anything else other than the Tom Reed family. I, I know, remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Or, and there was another yeah, fellow. There's but, a fellow uh, there's involved. Lots in of too. witnesses. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it was great. Uh, after, I think it was a year or two after I had seen, we met in uh, at a conference you were at, that I was in Phoenix. And I was walking my dog. And uh, I've told this story before in the show. I was walking my dog and there was a, a girl out smoking cigarettes that worked in the casinos. And mm-hmm. she said, uh, what's going on here? And I said, oh, it's a UFO conference. Oh, she says, well, I should I should p- peek in there because I had a UFO. Uh, you know, I saw a UFO. And she was nonchalant about it. So I go, you know, anytime anyone ever says that to me, I said, okay, let's hear about it. Mm-hmm. And so she's telling me the story. She said her and her friend were um, going by, uh, they were driving from one location to another in, in Native American country out there. And there was a, uh, what do you call it? a mesa? And on, she said they saw something lift for, like it came up from the mesa and then came over toward them. And And they got really scared and they said all of a sudden a bright light came into the car. This was during the day. Mm -hmm. They had a sunroof and a bright light. It was over their car. The bright light came down into their car and then they nailed it. They hit. She said she was doing over 100 miles an hour for I don't know how many miles. And the thing paced them. And then finally it just took off. And then she said, and so we pulled off the road. And she said, all of a sudden, the biggest owl I've ever seen in my life was right there in front of us. You know, that, was it on the that, ground? On the ground or in was that? Was it on the ground or in the I air? I can't remember. You know, I have I have it written down somewhere because I looked at the old email that I had sent you way back when it happened, mm-hmm. and uh, I do believe it sort of came at their windshield. But I, you know, I'd have to look again to read that email because I wrote it down fresh at that point. Yeah, but I mean, still, it's a it's a it's a great story with that. I love hearing these stories and you must love it too. When someone just comes out of the blue, well, I haven't had anything happen, but this happened. And yeah, then they, the owl oh, yeah. or something unusual comes into it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's so with the story you just told, like I, that shows up in my files. That's all the time. All that's the time. like, that's like standard. That's so normal. And so the question is, why, why are these owls showing up? I mean, that's a really tough question to answer and I can't answer it. But I can speculate around why it may show up, and and um, and the longer I'm, so the longer I would do this research, the less connected to UFOs I am. So the owl is is kind of the core part of my research in a way, but it's also the owls are also connected. There's I have like some remarkable stories about owls and death. Hmm. Owls show up at the time of death. often after a death. The stories that I'm getting that I'm receiving are often of a, um, when someone's parent dies and an owl will show up in the, in this, the thread of the story. So I'll just tell one, a woman gets a hold of me and I'm living in upstate New York. And I'm, I was with my partner, Andrea at the time, this is going back a few years ago. And we're just drinking coffee by the fire with a wood stove. And, and a woman gets a hold of us. Her name is Suzanne. And she says, she sends a picture. He said, is this owl okay? And there's a beautiful picture. It's wintertime. There's a beautiful picture of a barred owl, like sitting on a chair right out her back window. You can tell it's on a porch and you can tell it's looking out the window. The owl's right up against the window. And I'm like, looks fine to me. What's your story? And she says, so here's her story. She was 
she was meditating. And the reason she was meditating is because she couldn't, she, she may put out a, um, a request to move through the grieving process because her mother had died. It was her mother's birthday. Mm. And she was meditating and then she was sitting alone. And when she opened her eyes in the house, the way she was sitting, she was aimed at a window. She said, if I was just a little bit this way, I wouldn't have seen it. If I was a little bit that way, I wouldn't have seen it. But it was lined right up with this window and there's an owl staring at her. And she went up and and she then she took the picture and sent it to me because she knew I did this owl research. And 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 she said, "What's what does this mean?" And I'm like, "It's your mother's birthday, and you're you're the the reason you were meditating was because you wanted to alleviate the grieving." I I and the reason I the next thing I said, and the reason I said it is because I have heard so many stories that play out like this. I said, "Open that window and talk to that owl like it's your mother," and she did, and she said the owl eventually flew off, but it stayed in a tree for the rest of the day, watching her mm. house just right at the edge of her lawn. And she said after that point, the her her grieving loved it. it so she came to she came to a place of peace because of that owl. That story repeats over and over again in my files. So owls and death, also owls and psychedelics like mushrooms. People tell yeah. people bring me stories, these wild stories about owls and mushrooms. They take mushrooms and they see a mythic vision of an owl and it like is so powerful. So, and then uh, owls and um, shamanic initiation. So people who are going through the initiation process of becoming a shaman in whether Native American cultures or in, um, there's a fellow in Ireland who got a hold of me uh, or simply people doing like a shamanic workshop will often have encounters with owls. It's very well understood by the shamans. And from an outsider, it seems very odd, but given given what I, the research I've done, and then I should, there's a few more. Meditation, which which is people will meditate. I've got a bunch of stories where people meditate, open their eyes and there's owl staring right at them through the window or they meditate and the owl's right in the branch in front of them. A few things like that. So owls and meditation. So there's this kind of, it it forces me to say, forces me to ask the question like I the way I'm framing it is that the owls seem connected to a highly charged human event right so the death of a hmm. parent is a highly charged human event a close-up UFO sighting wow that's a highly charged human event um like a power, powerful initiation process like becoming a shaman in a tribe that would be a highly charged human event like we westerners like in our in this kind of technological era we don't have that that but there are plenty of cultures that still have that present day and it's well understood that they have owls showing up so i'm seeing the owls as something not so much connected to ufos but the ufo is just one of a list of highly charged human events so the owl seems symbolic more of that the power of the event than the ufo itself i'm out on saying that's what's showing up in my files as far as the stories that I'm getting, the vast majority of my stories are, have to do with UFOs. And I feel that's just because I'm putting out the UFO story in connection and I'm getting that reflected back. But there's also these other other events too. So I'm I'm very open to that. And I and I I have very little, let's say, proof. Like I'm not a scientist, but I feel like I'm a good folklorist or let's say a good journalist in the sense that I have a the files that I'm getting, like, I don't mind someone brings a story to me. I won't really share that story unless it's part of a pattern. If I have one story, it could be a remarkable story, but unless I see that repeating in a, in a pattern of stories, I like, I don't feel right sharing that as a, as a, because it's just a standalone thing and it could just be a one-off. And I, but once I start seeing it as a pattern though, that's where I'm really fascinated. So these patterns are showing up and I'm trying to make sense of them. I know I told you this, but when I, the very first time I met you, when I went to that conference where, where you were at speaking at, I had no idea that you were going to be there talking about owls. And that night, that morning I was woken up by an owl, the one and only time I ever was uh, outside my oh. window. <laughs> yeah. I remember telling you that that was just and a bizarre that's a coincidence. It's not, That's what I call it's not bizarre to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's not bizarre to me. So that happens a lot. We're like, wow, that like 
I have a conversation. I had, um, I've had people like, you know, on phone calls, like an owl will land on the windowsill kind of thing. So I don't know what it means. Yeah. It's not on my windowsill on their windowsill. Like, yeah. So I, and, and I live in a place right now with a lot of owls in, in, and I, so I hear owls every night. I see them oh, often, wow. but, but so do the neighbors. That's nothing special about me. I mean, it's, there's a lot of owls here. So, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but that, yeah, this, so the, the owl and the owl has a long lineage and long history of, of, um, connected to the mystical aspects of folklore and mythology and such. So it's, it's, it's simply a rising present day, uh, still. So my sense is that the owl stories and these kind of owl stories have been around since the dawn of human existence. And they are mm-hmm. now simply repeating present day, except we, we Westerners don't have the, the foundation like we don't have a we don't have a we don't sit around the campfire and tell magical stories about animals like we might have done, you know, if yeah. we were you know in, a, in an Indian tribe five hundred years ago or like in a village in Ireland, you know, five hundred years ago. But we the the, owl, the owls are still playing the same role whether we we can tap into it or not. So. They have to show up on your iPhone somehow. Well, yeah, <laughs> I recognize that owls seeing an owl T-shirt or an owl. Uh, timestamp or something or an owl, you know, billboard driving road counts to lesser to a degree, but I try not to separate that too much from, from the, um, you know, the so overall we have uh, a couple of people can post, anyone can post a question in chat. Uh, please put it in caps. So I catch it. And this is uh, Mary Grace Kirby, our owls, a screening for ET. Is that? Uh... Yes. So the answer to that is undoubtedly yes. Now this is once again I'm I'm just using the literature that I've dug through in the conversations that I've had but once you have that same conversation like 500 times you kind of you kind of recognize that it's there so what is let me see. Oh, so there's a woman I know she had a she's she had uh so what's very common is for people to let's say drive down the road at night this happened to um Dolores Cannon she has a textbook story oh, yeah. she was yeah. driving down the road at night it's in her book the custodians and and she there's an owl in the road and this this is interesting so the question i ask when i talk to witnesses is when they have an event whether a ufo event or a event a power synchronicity i'll ask what was going on in your life leading up to the event and then what changed so so um she was living in arkansas dolores cannon and she had just had a meeting she was doing family therapy, hypnotherapist stuff, just straight relieving stress, quitting smoking, very above board hypnotherapy work. And what was showing up in her work was people were telling these weird UFO stories. She had no idea what to make of it. This very early on in her, this is before she really started working on anything esoteric. So she had, she had the conversation with the people at her staff and basically said, what do I do with this, with this, UFO stories that are showing up and they're like, gee, I don't know either, either you follow it or you don't. So she drives home that night. She's in her car. She's got a big truck in the, in the Ozark mountains of Arkansas. And she comes around a corner. There's a big owl on the road. She says it's tall enough to look over the hood of her truck and look right in her eyes. Now no owl in the world big enough to look over the hood of a truck. And if you pull right up to it. So she pulls up to it. The owl flies down the road and lands. And she pulls up to the owl. The owl flies down the road and lands. The owl leads her all the way home. And then and then she she tells her son, like, well, I saw a four-foot-tall owl. And he's like, Mom, owls don't get four-foot-tall. And she's like, wow. So she 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 realized she was right. There, there is no owl in the world that's that big. So the implication is that there's some sort of screen memory taking place where the owls would... Um, would somehow, whether it's using technology or whether it's using psychic means, would put an image into the eye, into the mind of the observer, and they would, you know, there's the stories within the literature of people under hypnosis. Hypnosis is very questionable, right? But people use it. It's part of the it's part of the research. Some people have very strong opinions on it. But here, people will under hypnosis, people will say, you know, I. The gray, alien, the gray alien said, you will remember us as an owl. 
and they remember the conversation. Um, so, and there's lots of accounts of owls on the roads, but it's not just owls. There's other screen memories. There's deer, there's raccoons, clowns actually show up. So that, that like, uh, you know, why do, pardon? Oh, I said, oh boy, <laughs> clowns. Yeah, clowns, clowns are creepy. Yeah, so clowns, like, yeah. that's why, why do we have a fear of clowns? So, um, and then, um, so, oh, the, go get back to that. So what was happening leading up to the event with Dolores Cannon? She was, she had to make the decision. Am I going to go through with this? Am I going to follow this UFO thread? This, these stories are being emerging in my hypnosis sessions. What do I do with them? She chose to follow them, change the course of her life. She put out all these books and that was the core of her life's work at, for the final years of her life, for decades of her life, was this contact experience that she she researched in depth. Now, so that, here I'll tell one more story. There's a woman I know, she uh, was 16 years old. She knew she was having UFO contact, alien contact, but it had always been at night, always been in her bedroom. And she was working at a girls' camp. This was outside in the forest. And there were two kind of, there was a section, there were two Cantler campsites just away. And there was a path walking between the two campsites. This was well into the backcountry. And, and so she was working with, the, I think it was a Girl Scout. So she was working with one group and she had to walk to the other set of tents. So she just walks through the woods and, and she turns a corner on the trail. And there's a gray alien standing on the trail, full daylight, bright sunshine, and she just stops in this this gray alien with a big bald head and the big black eyes, full daylight, looks at her. She looks at it and she hears this voice in her head that says, owl, 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 or just energetic voice. This kind of telepathic reverberation is what she says. And she watches this gray alien morph, turn into an owl, and then the owl turns around and runs into the woods. So... Mm -hmm. I have, a, I have a couple stories like that in my files. One with a deer, almost the exact same story. Instead of turning into an owl, it turns into a deer. So the implication is that, that these gray aliens are using some sort of psychic energy, psychic technology to influence the mind of the observer. They look at a gray alien. In their mind, they register an owl. And, um, and that's very common but in i'll have to say like in my research like after you hear that story 500 times then you you kind of get it okay so there this is happening it's showing up in the research it's a pattern it's very clearly a pattern and then what i'm more interested in is the real owl that are showing up at the time of ufo contact or or like let's say a highly charged human event and those are the stories that i've been collecting and and that's the core of that the first book or it's the core of all my books really is, is these stories that emerge and that people have shared with me over the past almost decade and a half now. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I love, I love hearing these stories. Um, and I would like to hear some more of them. So I, I guess what I'd like to ask you, are there any, um, I, I don't want to call it a mass sighting, but there, are there any, times where there's multiple people involved when they all see the, the you know see this thing going on the answer would be yes i would have to i would have to think for a little bit to come up with a good example of a multiple sighting um yeah so that's a so right off the top of my head i can i can think of some with just maybe one or two people but um mm -hmm. yeah so so the corina sales is folks are out of Canada. This is more of a screen memory type of thing, but she was driving. She went to a sky watch and her and her family. So I think it was her two daughters. And at the time was her boyfriend. I think I've got this right. This is in her book called, um, um, I can't remember the name of the book, but she wrote about it in her book. So she's coming back from a sky watch at night in Canada, in British Columbia. And the fellow was driving and they had been looking for UFOs and they come around a corner. They didn't see anything, but they come around a corner and there's three women in the car, Karina and her two daughters and the fellow driving. 
And in the headlights, they the, the women all see a gray alien standing on the side of the road and they all scream, like scream, like they're driving past it in this, in this dirt road mm. in the forest. And then the fellow driving, goes, what are you screaming? That's a, that's a, an owl. And they're like, what are you saying? What are you crazy? That was a gray alien with big black eyes. So they all saw, they all saw an alien. Three people saw an alien with big black eyes and the driver saw it as an owl. And that, that, Though I don't have exactly that story in my files, I certainly have a lot of stories that match the flavor and tenor and the mood of that story. So that story mm. really rings true to me, having dug through this for these oh, so many years. You know, uh, it's I have talked about this before also on this show that a lot of times there will be two people together in a UFO event and they'll both see something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that they both uh, their account is completely different, you know, which is another fascinating side of this whole mystery. And yeah, yeah. So that's something I've learned is that um, how to say this? Like if someone tells you a story and it makes sense, let's say, like it's too clean, like it has a beginning, yeah. middle, and end. It's like, yeah. like then, then I'm like, hmm, maybe not. They tell some story. Wow, it's weird, and there's like time dist distortion, and one person sees one, one person sees another. Or there's like heightened emotions where they're like, "Oh, I felt emotion. I felt love," or they like, "Oh, I felt so scared. I thought I was going to die." You know. So there's like, if they, if it's a kind of a normal story, that's when I question it. But the 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 UFO contact experience, even a sighting of a UFO off in the distance, often has like reverberating strangeness. And yeah. Like someone, you see an owl, or excuse me, I just did it. I get mixed up with owls and UFOs. Like you see a UFO way off in the distance. It's like some unusual light. And then and then you see an owl an hour later or like on the drive home or at the moment at the same time. So that's that's what yeah. fascinates me. Right. And I've heard, I've heard, a, it seems like you mentioned like the time distortion, stuff like that. That's a, kind of a common thing I've heard a lot. And another thing that's really strange is a lot of times when two two or more people uh, witness a UFO, um, they don't talk about it afterwards. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? I think that's another bizarre type of situation. Something that doesn't make any sense. You or they'll know, go like in they, the house and go to bed. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I have a, a friend that's, um, I'm in the antiques and arts business and I have a friend that's uh, an auctioneer called me. He says, oh, my God, you do a show on UFOs. I said, yeah. And they talked about an encounter where he was with all his buddies when he was in his teens. And this thing, object was over them, and they, they look up at it and scared the heck out of them. They're running. And he said he's never been able to get them to say a word about it. They mm -hmm. will never talk about it. Very still in Yeah, it is common. Yeah. Yeah. It really, I think it affects everybody in a, in a different, in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Some people become zealot and some people never talk again. Yeah. Yeah. We're having a little bit of audio, uh, oh. you know, but you know, but I, I think I just, yeah, it's been happening as we go along, but you, you, you everything makes sense. So, okay. uh, yeah, we're moving along. Good. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, this connection is really bizarre and it's it's also like um, the the mystery you hear. And I can't believe that you're getting this many stories as you say you are. Are you ever thinking about, um, you know, writing another book on on these encounters in owls in different ways? You know, for instance, you're talking about you know, spiritual ways or when there's a death or something like that, are you thinking about expanding more? So the answer to that is yes. I'm just shortly, I've been working on a book for a long time. It just, I, I'm working on a fiction book. And what I did, what I, it, the, it's a, uh, it should be out in about a month and a half. I'm going to knock, well, I'm not sure where it'll be, but I'm guessing mid May. And, and uh, only three people on sides read they all very complimentary so that meant a lot to me so they but it's kind of a cross between the twilight zone and and uh twin peaks there's kind of a kind of a uh little spy narrative there and a little bit of romance and but there's owls there's certainly owls in it and what i did is i is i wanted to tap into 
the flavor and the mood of the stories that I've been collecting, right? So it's one thing to, to hear someone tell the story and it's something altogether to really listen and really have the conversation of how did it make them feel? How did it, whether it's a sighting a UFO or an owl and UFO in connection with each other. And what I found is that people really struggle and you've probably talked to people too where they just struggle with the strangeness of it. Like the why mm. me? The why is it so strange? Or there'll be, it'll have one event will happen and that will trigger some secondary synchronicity or variant that that shouldn't be connected, but somehow seems to be connected. So I played with those themes in this fiction book. And um and I tried to turn it into kind of a paranormal thriller and that that I didn't want it to be a dull thing. So it races right along and there's plenty of action and plenty of intrigue and and um and I and uh, so, yeah, that'll be out. So you asked a question, like, have I, like, so I tried fiction just because it felt like a way to tell that deeper story where you can explore those feelings and those, the, 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 the experiences that a person is dealing with when they're trying to make sense internally, they're trying to make sense of this strangeness. Wow. Here's a, uh, here's a question from, this is a, a good friend of mine, uh, Chris, Chris Lambright, a UFO researcher, uh, he's kind of making a point here. So a normal, clean story is to be doubted, but an owl mysteriously being an alien is sensible. <laughs> so, so I like, believe me, I recognize like I'm I'm like, so this is coming from someone who spent a decade reading communicating with people who have had owl and UFO stories. So let me, I'll soften that up again. A clean story isn't really to be doubted, but I will say when someone tells me a scrambled up story with, I'll just say the owl as a mythic element, like a mythic element in the story, um, that's when I pay attention. And that's the story that that I am engaged with as far as, that's the story that I've, I've been asking for those kinds of stories and I'm getting them. So it's so I'm putting the energy out there. Like I'm saying right on my um right on my website, it says, I want to hear your owl stories. And I say it every time I do an interview, I say it from stage when I talk to at UFO conferences, I say, I want to hear your owl stories. So I'm getting those owl stories. And then I try not to wait or one and the other. And that means, and what I've learned is the the stories that have Cake mixed up energy are are the ones that when you pull on those threads, you're going to get a rich, rich story. It may be difficult to make sense of, but um, so that's where you're going to get the richest stories. Here, I'm just going to the second book that I did. Let me just the second book that I did here, which is called Stories from the Messengers. Yeah, this, that's the one I have. Hmm. Yeah. So the, the problem I had. When I did the first book, is I had to, as I had to, people. You, so you must know this, right? You talk to someone who's had an experience, and then you call them up on the phone. And it's a six-hour call. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be like, it's a six-hour phone call. So it's not just there, like, oh, I saw a UFO and I saw an owl. Maybe that takes five minutes to tell. No, no, no. That's not the story. It's everything else that comes mm -hmm. along with that story. And and when I did the first book, all I could do is that short little blip. I had to make my point. And so I have a story like an owl and UFO together. And here's the little interesting story. I had to move that person who had an interesting experience also had, I'm going to say what felt like a full novel of strange events. And, um, and that was the point of, of the second book, which is called stories from the messengers was to include the, the stories in a complete form because it broke my heart as an author to have to abridge someone's stories so much, truncate things so much that their story couldn't be told in its completion. Um, and, and then I, I needed to tell some of those stories. And that was the point of the second book, which reads like if there's 19 separate chapters, each chapter reads like a short story where it tells an individual's very complex overlapping narrative. Oftentimes it, it's hard to, it doesn't make sense. So the, 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 whoever wrote in, they were exactly correct to say like, oh, so you, you doubt the, 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 uh, would be called formal. And then, 
in when I'm, um, I should say it a little more cleanly. It's not that I doubt the normal event, but I would say that the strange mixed up events are the ones that um, prove to be the most, they have the most strange details. And in a way, like as a little kid, like I was, I loved campfire stories. I loved, do you remember the show um, In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy? Yeah, right. I loved that show. It was a great so one. Like, yeah, so like that never left me. Like I still mm -hmm. love those kinds of stories and that's what I'm seeking in, and that's what I'm getting. So, so I'm, so two things are happening. I'm asking for people's owl stories at the same time. I am drawn to those deeper mysteries. Someone in the uh, chat said that they had an owl synchronicity that they, uh, I basically said, okay, elaborate. But um, so obviously people reach out to you all the time and do they do that through your website? Mm -hmm. You can go to my website and in my website, mikecleland.com. And what that does is it takes you to a couple different. I have a blog that I haven't been keeping very active since writing the books, but that's got a wealth of, of stuff on it. I did a podcast for like four or five years in the starting in 2009. And then I did a podcast for almost three years, two and a half years for Whitley Strieber's site. So there's a, there's a lot of material on my, on my blog. And on my site, but um, so the, there's a contact thing there. You can just reach out to me, and and I I look forward to, and I try my best. And I apologize if I don't get back to people, but I've I've been trying my best to get back to people. I'm tying up this book project right now, so I've been sort of derelict in answering mail. I I do have to say the same thing. Now that you're bringing up, I should be apologizing as well. <laughs> I think everyone who does this is has that right. Everyone who's in this field is like flooded yeah with emails or i mean that's how we correspond now so we're all flooded with emails i mean uh, you know 20 years ago we would have been into the you know the looking down the driveway and the pile of letters out of the mailbox but but now we're you know it's through email yeah i think everyone does i talked to richard dolan he's swamped whitley streber is swamped i think everyone even like lesser people who aren't like you know people who wrote a book 10 years ago are still swamped getting letters yeah Yep. Um, so I just tried to find your, okay, I found your website and I'm going to put that into the uh, show notes for those of you who are uh, watching or listening. So if you'd like to reach out to, um, to Mike, you'd be able to do that. And let me just pull up your website right here. Window. Here we go. And we have some new options in this. Uh, so this, this is your, your website. I, I love the graphics, by the way. And so, uh, anyway, that's, uh, Mike Cleland, your name.com, right? Yep. That's, that's it. All and you know what? And if you want to cheat, you can just go into Google and type owl UFO. And I'm going to tell you, I'm the first thing that comes up in the next 25 things in the long list below that. So <laughs> that's a unique, yes, it's a unique, you can do it in six, you can do it in yeah. six letters, six characters. You can find me. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's, Let's talk about um, the synchronicities. What are, how would, how is that related to this whole thing? So, so that's how I got involved in this. So, synchronicity by definition means a, a meaningful coincidence. Carl Jung coined the term. He, some like a strict Jungian analyst, has a different context of what synchronicity means. It has, a, it has gained a sort of pop culture meaning, which would be a, a, a meaningful coincidence. So a coincidence that's meaningful to the observer. So, I mean, we all have synchronicities and, you know, but, but sometimes they're, they're powerful. They're real showstoppers. And, um, and that is what I'm finding. You know what I did at one point? I, I, when I, so I, I had experiences in my youth. And imply UFO contact. And when I go to the UFO conferences, some of them will have the experience of, groupings and i started going to those the really only the time i've been to those kinds of things has been at ufo conferences and i'll ask people like have you had any powerful synchronicities and and the people who are dealing with this kind of contact experience i'm not going out on a limb by saying this they basically like oh my gosh they, they almost fall out of their chair trying to describe the number of strange synchronistic events that have happened in their life. 
And some of them are absurd. They don't seem to have connection to UFOs or they don't have connection to, you know, owls, let's say, but they, but they have these powerful synchronistic events in their life. I'll tell, I got my own personal stories. I can tell a few. Yeah, sure. And I, sure. I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to be calling you too, because I have um, someone that I'm close with that has it just, there's no denying the synchronicities that constantly happen with her. So uh, it's, it's fascinating. And I think you would may even want to know about it. You know, I mean, it's that. Oh, please. Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's hear a couple of yours. So this is, this is an odd one, right? So this is going back into 2000 and 2004. And I was living out West and, and I was, I, I was, let me just think, <laughs> the problem is there, because it's like trying to tell a dream, right? Because it's like, there's so many, so I was, I, when I, when I, um, I was doing this outdoor work and my face gets red really easily, my Scottish heritage. And so some sunblock, I rub it on my face and it irritates my face. I put the sunblock and it makes, it irritates my skin and my skin gets more red because of the sunblock. And so someone said, oh, you know what you need is Neutrogena 45, and I asked a few more people, and I said, Neutrogena 45. So I got about three or four people to Neutrogena 45. I'm like, great, try it. So I was in the little town I lived in, and I looked at the um, the drug store and the health store that have it. And I was driving home, and I was going to stop at the grocery store, which was right there, but I just kept driving. And I, as I was driving home, this would have been springtime, would have been right around this time of the year, early April. And at that where I was living um, near Grand Teton National Park at the time was snowy. And and so they do a clean a springtime cleaning where they get big garbage bags on the side of the road. So just volunteers welcome it down the road. And I did that a few years in a row. So I just when I got to my house, which is right along the main highway, I just got a, I walked into the garage. I got a big um, plastic couple plastic bags and I walked up and down the road. And my I, I was I said, I'm going to walk to the stop sign. And and turn around. The stop sign is a half a mile. So I'll walk a half mile on one side of the road, cross the road and do a half a mile back. I figured that'd be my nice service for the, for the community. And I was happy to do it. So I start walking. It starts snowing and the snow comes of rain and it's this wet, awful rain. I'm soaked and I'm like, ugh, ugh, I should yeah. turn around. So I, so the, I'm going to the stop. So I get to the stop sign and I kid you not, there is a bottle of Neutrogena 45 leaning against the stop sign. <laughs> I was like, now, the, so here's, this is where I was at. This was before I had looked into the UFO thing at all in my life. Like I would, I did, did not go there. I denied it. I had these funny things. I could tell these stories as a, like around a campfire or a dinner table. Like, like, isn't that weird? And like, I had missing time. I had a UFO sighting close up, but, but I, I was not going there. Like I was not so when I saw that little bottle leaning against a signpost, there was a voice in my head that said, like, it's them. It's them. And I didn't know what that meant. So, like, like, how, like, how do you back engineer that? Like, it was, this is like, it was at a signpost. Like, well, like this, like, what, what better catchphrase for, for a deep meaning, you know, a signpost along the road, along the highway. And I had on the drive home, I had been looking for Neutrogena 45. I got, I, that's so, that story rocked my world at that point in my life. And um, and then they, I started having a lot of them and of powerful synchronicities of that power and of that flavor. Yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting. But are there, is there a connection between, um, that you have seen where people have talked to you about like owls and synchronicities since mm -hmm. we're talking about oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so here's so there's a there's a documentary it's actually quite good it's a documentary it's called time is art and it was directed by a woman and her husband and her name is katie i want to say katie wilson but that's not right i'll think of it in a second um, oh, so they were in San Francisco. It was a documentary about synchronicity. It's a really nice documentary. It's done very artfully. Um, 
The photography is beautiful. So they're in San Francisco and they were getting footage of the um uh the murals in the in the mission district of San Francisco. Oh yeah. The Diego they, Rivera, Diego Rivera murals. Yeah, and some of them are more modern and more pop, you know, so just like mm -hmm. neighborhood kind of young artists were doing, oh, I doing see. murals too. And so yeah. the murals were um and some of them were of owls. So in the documentary, there's like, uh, you know, uh, images of owls and there's also images of UFOs and images of aliens. And then they set the camera down and the camera's still running and they get what amounts to very interesting footage. I'm very cautious. I'm not a, you know, like I don't, you know, research the footage. I'm not expert on, on footage. There's some, what I will call very compelling footage of a craft it just comes into frame and goes behind a tree and it is a structured craft. It is, it looks like it's kind of boxy shaped, but it's a three-dimensional object that is not a kite. It's not a balloon. It's moving in a strange way. And so they're shoot in the, they're shooting a documentary on synchronicity. They're shooting <laughs> owls, like videotaping <laughs> owls. They set the camera down and they get a UFO. So that's right there. Owls, synchronicity and UFOs all in one event that image is on my blog i think you can search my blog and just look up um time is art documentary video ufo it should come up mm. i could probably search it out and grab the link for you but i think you'd, anyone would be able to find it pretty quick on my blog and that and i did a short little youtube video where i replayed the image a bunch of times so you can actually watch it at different speeds and such yeah well i can't believe this time has flown by so fast this hour has just Oh my, it's already done. It's already here. It happened very quick. It's always uh, a fascinating. Well, this is the second time I had you on, but I'd like to have you back again. It was a great conversation. Wonderful. So, it was a joy. Yes. Yes. All right. And so I put your, I'm putting your uh, website into the show notes. Anybody can find that. Um, and I'll post that also on YouTube as well. But thank you so much, Mike. And good luck with this uh, next book that comes out. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm Believe me, I'm going to try to promote it when it comes out. So this, I, I, I got good vibes about this, and I, and I want to. It's, but it's meant to be a fun book. So, yeah, excellent. All right, you take care. Okay, thanks now. All right, yeah, bye. All right, everyone. So uh, that was it for tonight's show. Thank you very much. We'll be back with uh, Carlo Petrick. I've worked with him out at Phoenix. Uh, great guy. He's going to be on our show next week. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky.